Hello. Hey, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. Good. I just texted you and I said, good to go. And you responded, real. Real. Wow. <laughs> real good to go. You've been traveling a lot lately. Have you been picking up new internet jargon? Uh, well, you know, you wouldn't have to be traveling to pick up new internet jargon. That's a, that's a very, very good point. But, See, this, uh, but, this is the provincial <laughs> thinking that I bring to this conversation. Well, I know you also think that the internet is in person. And that when you go around, you're just oh. seeing different internets. Yeah. I mean, you know, corporations can be people. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plants can be people. Hmm. We have a plant. Um, so, uh, how's it going? You all right? Oh, uh, yeah, pretty much. Have we not talked in a long time? Feels we like have a not time. talked in a long time. It seems like a long time. Um, I'm going to come up with a name for how I find out whether you're recording or not and it's a pro- oh. it's a process mm-hmm. okay uh involves me uh, texting you texting members of your family and uh your circle mm-hmm. is john okay it's john okay is john, is john, that's a, a popular text yeah i mean you ghost me sometimes which is normal but like i hadn't heard from you in a while and i was getting a little bit frantic because i had to do a little bit of a reschedge yeah and i was getting worried and I started. Well, I, I texted your baby mama. I was looking at your Instagram because sometimes, sometimes I can get a little bit Sherlock Holmes and I can gather the facts. If I see, <laughs> if I see that you're on the East Coast on a Sunday night, that mm-hmm. sometimes it's a clue. But I, I like to get confirmation from the source, as they say in journalism. Mm-hmm. But you had an extra wrinkle. You don't need to address that. But but the other wrinkle is, which you, of course you could. I think your phone broke. I broke my phone. Ah, oh, Jesus. It actually, I think that it saved me, uh, saved me considerable injury. I'm not sure how, but the uh, the amount of energy that it absorbed, uh, if it had not absorbed it, it, uh, it would have been absorbed by my body. And so, is that, is that thermodynamics, John? Is that how that I, works? That is a you know, like I've thought about this quite a bit. Like, yeah. is that exactly true, or did it just? But no, the damage that it sustained, it didn't just transfer the the energy directly through itself into me. You're saying there's, there's physical damage, but then there's a deeper kind of um, uh, Newtonian whack-a-mole that goes on here. Uh, I'm wondering, right? I mean, I am not a scientist. No. Right? Mm-hmm. Although I play one on TV, and well, you do too. Yeah. But, yeah, surely if it was... If I, if I had fallen on a phone-shaped piece of, uh, like, hardened steel... Mm. I think that that phone-shaped piece of hardened steel would have done a better job of communicating the the uh, energy, the destructive energy of um, of my fall, just directly into my body. But this phone crushed and bent in a way I've never seen a phone. I mean, I'm surely. Surely on the internet there are websites just yeah. showing pictures of destroyed phones, and mine belongs on there. Are you bearing the lead here? Did you fall down, go boom? I did. Yeah, I oh, fell. Shit, at the, John. I fell at the dump. Yeah. I, <laughs> oh no! And I fell you from lost a great your height. You lost your. Oh no! This is. Are you serious? Is this real? Yeah, I. You know the dump is very. So the new dump in the dump, Seattle. The dump was, is your enemy, John. My gosh. Well, I, oh, I love the dump, but the well, dump. The dump has a very greasy floor, mm. and I got greasy grease on my boots, and then I climbed up on this trailer, and the trail, and I was standing on the, it was a dumper, a dumper trailer, as mm-hmm. they say. I climbed up on the fender of the dumper, 
and the dumper was all the way in the dump position. So I'm on the fender trying to reach up and get the garbage out of the very top of the dumper. Mm-hmm. And the and my boots just slid out because the because oh what was happening was my partner was like I'm going to move the truck. And he got in the he got in the driver's seat and I was like, "Okay, do I stay up here while he moves it? It's going to shake or do I like Kind of climb down, and in that moment, okay, this is, I was this like, is a lot to cover. First of all, your partner is your dump partner. My dump partner. Yeah. Okay, okay, it's not your business partner or your or no. a special friend. No, 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 a dump pal. Okay, you got a dump a buddy. Dump. So mm-hmm. you and your dump buddy, are you dropping off? We're not picking up. Okay, well, some that would be you know. Oh yeah, like you've never done that. Like you've never picked up <laughs> something on the way out. Well, sure, but I, uh, sure, uh, of course I have, but you would have to be there to drop off in order to be there to pick up. Mm, if you know, what you I'm wouldn't saying. just go there for window shopping. It's not. You're like not a, gonna, it's not a goodwill. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Then this is a proper dump. It's not just like a uh, take your old stereo down and leave it by the side of a thing. It's mm. like no, no, no. People are dump. Oh, the reason the floor is so greasy is people are obviously dumping a bunch of grease and other yeah. garbage. There. Oh dear. So anyway, my feet fly out from under me, and I. And it's a situation at this point where I am, my ass is six to eight feet above the cement floor. Oh, no. Is it in one of those covered areas? It is in a covered area. Oh, so that has tense the grease in the, I get it. Okay. And there are bulldozers driving around and city dump trucks driving around. Everybody's driving around real fast. And I start to fall and I'm like, well, that's it for me. Because if I... I had no control, right? I you had enough my time feet. to realize, oh, shit. Yeah, my feet were gone, so I was... <sighs> ass over tea there, kettle. Ass over tea kettle. There was no... I was not going to, like, regain my feet, oh, right? Fuck. And I fall, and, my, and I land on the fender of the trailer, which is in a kind of, like, half up, or, you know, at this point, like, I fall in, a, in such a way that I hit this fender and the fender is made out of heavy gauge you know whatever heavy gauge steel steel yeah and it and i completely collapse it it bends down and just is like crunched well, but like what like, well, like iron man hitting a wall like yeah you, you, because you when took I a went, chunk out of it when i went when i went to later later on in the story fast forward mm-hmm. to the the other part of the story where i'm not hurt uh I went to bend it up. I couldn't bend it with my, I mean, I had to like, um, it was, it's like not a thin, it was not a thin gauge of metal, but I hit this thing and the way in which I'm falling and the way the fender is, is kind of pointed at an angle and the whole, just the luck of the draw, it just sort of slid me. It just sort of put me on the ground on my butt, but like I was sliding, I hit that thing, it crunched, it like bent sideways, sent me down. I hit the greasy ground and slid on the grease and popped up on my feet. And I was like, huh? Mm. And I was not in the least bit injured. Not even the next day did I have any soreness. It was just like, huh, well, what do you know about that? And then I looked in my pocket and my phone was, I mean, you could you could pour water into my phone and drink out of it. Oh. It's that it was that concave. Oh my goodness! From the impact, it's just it was it's just shaped like my body. Am I wrong? This could have been way way worse. Not just oh, for your oh. phone, but for your behind and your your different parts. 
even as I was flying through the air, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm going to the hospital. Yeah. I mean, it all happened in a second, sure, but sure. enough time to say like, this is bad for me. And it was actually like the, the, the five minutes following, I was like, I, I would, I would be not, I'm, I'm just like getting in the truck and driving away, but I would not be if I had, if I had fallen just slightly differently. <gasps> Oh my God, John! This is a whole different story here. Oh my yeah. gosh! And so your phone, your phone uh, bore a lot of the brunt. You had, you see, got shattered glass like on near your behind. Yeah, but also uh, the whole metal case is just like both flattened and also like concave. Cur- yeah, and just sort of like munched. And and what's funny is that the electronics still work. <laughs> But there's no <laughs> few things cause me as much anxiety <laughs> as watching people use a broken phone. It causes me so much anxiety. <laughs> when the Instacart person shows up and they got the whole spider web screen on like an iPhone four, I'm like, oh my god, you've had this. It's been like this for like three years, hasn't it? Oh my god, <laughs> it makes me so uncomfortable. Do yourself a favor, get something else. <laughs> I treat my phone like a fucking Eucharist. I mean, I'm 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 so I've never broken a phone or a screen that wasn't apple's fault uh but no i've never had that and it caused me it caused me huge anxiety but you you, you really i'm sorry i'm processing this you really you kind of dodged a bullet here well big time i'm a, i'm a middle-aged guy right i i used to take falls like that all the time i used to do falls like that as sport yeah um but now That's kind of a I, bit of yours wasn't it it was a bit of mine yeah, yeah. but now that would have particularly landing on my butt and my back would have been really terrible oh god i I twisted my back uh sleeping last week and i've been uh stealing my wife had dental surgery i've been stealing her vicodin so i can sleep (laughs) just because i slept i slept i harmed myself with sleep and now i'm treating it now i think i might be the opioid epidemic don't do it don't do it i'm the i'm the epidemic Merlin, don't get addicted to opioids. That's my advice. I heard it's not as bad as I heard a lot of it is the media (laughs) blowing this up because they don't like the white working class, is what I heard. Yeah, there is some of that. You know, it's really about heritage. I think what it is is that states' attorneys general, (laughs) uh, really George's Bundys, (laughs) really want to sue pharmaceutical companies because they're. It's a, they don't Warner, have it's a Warner Brothers cartoon, right? And so, like, they're they're the wolf, and uh, and that's the pork chop. Sort of like cigarettes were in the nineties. They're liberal Democrats. Oh, let's be honest. Let's and it's be the honest. liberal, like this is why Trump won. Like lawyer culture Ugh. and try, you know, trial lawyers. Am I right? <sighs> oh, am I right? Equifax. Can you imagine what's going to mm. happen with that? Mm. Equifax. 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 They had a breach. You probably are aware of this. They had a breach that was yeah, entirely big. avoidable. 144 million Americans, mm. basic mm. down to the SSN information mm. out there. It's on the dark web now. Mm. Heck, heck a slamming, as Prince yeah. would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heck, a, heck a slamming. Oh, this is a lot to cover. And so, even, and so you put a dent in a fender with your phone butt. And you still, you had to travel. You, you went to the East Coast, is that right? Uh, then I went to Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C., where mm-hmm. I was uh, there touring the sites with my little girl. Oh, you went to see the sites? So I went and saw uh, innumerable sites, all the sites, all the great sites. Mm. Boy, someone, some great, aren't there some great sites there? There are great sites. I would love to talk there, about this. We went, to some, we went to summer, and I had so much fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing you went to all the sites. 
we uh what do we do we did the uh was it the african-american history museum we did of course yeah. duh did air and space saw the saturn five mm-hmm. engine there it is uh it's just like it's like it's like looking into the face of god i love looking at that thing <laughs> and like oh and all, all the little astronaut food in that little cabinet oh mm-hmm. air and space what else did we do oh the zoo we went and saw we went and saw baby the panda did you go to the zoo mm-hmm. No, the zoo was just outside of our, yeah. our 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 time and options. Dude, that is if you ever get a chance, that is a baller zoo. I used to live in Washington and uh and and used to go to the zoo as a kind of like They've done a real good job there. I think they've got some serious dough. Their panda enclosure? <whistles> shit dog. Well, the Chinese make you do a certain thing even to get a panda. I they, think there's a lot. There's a lot. One. They call it a Chinese hoop. You got to jump through. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. They were. They're not going to let you get get a panda, just uh, and treat it like they a bear. Got, uh, what do you get? Ling Ling and Bing Bing. They got the. Uh, they still got the crate. When you're in the enclosure visiting the panda, you watch Bebe lay on lay on, lay on her back. Uh, yeah. Bebe's the, the young panda, and yeah. uh, and you can go see lots of things, and you can see the crate. It might have been Ding Ding or Sing Sing, but whatever the original. What was the original panda called? Oh, Ling Ling. Was it Ling Ling? Then they get, they get two pandas? Is that what we got? I think so. Chinese think panda Nixon. So, panda right? Nixon. But you can see their little crate, yeah. Oh, anyway, okay, so what else did you do? Did you, so you went down the mall. You went to all the, all the things. Yeah, well, uh, you know, little uh, little gal and I, we walked around. We, we uh, walked around Capitol Hill, the neighborhood first, and we found a little... There are a few little old timey cafes, diners, that are still in that Capitol Hill neighborhood. When I lived there in 1989, uh, Capitol Hill, by which I mean the neighborhood that stretches to the east from the Capitol building, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a big, wonderful neighborhood of townhouses, brownstones, that type of thing. And when I lived there, it, it was only beginning to be gentrified the the first few blocks to the east of the capital were the the houses were i think probably kept in good condition it was where congress people lived mm-hmm. but then you know if you get if you got mm-hmm. f- much further than about 10th headed that direction you know it became a poor neighborhood and the houses were in decline or not in decline they were in a lot of cases burnouts and and um and then as you moved to the other side of lincoln park boy it was a it was it was pretty rough but Mm -hmm. it was the same exact housing stock right the same beautiful homes it was just that they were uh they were not in any kind of repair you know it was typical typical american situation where people out there couldn't get home improvement loans and they didn't have money and right. and the houses fell apart so i lived at 3rd and d up there and you know it was like it was government town and all the bars were full of like young white people from maryland wearing bow ties <laughs> And uh, with uh, with swoopy hair, mm-hmm. I mean, the, in some ways, the the most concentrated collection of young assholes in the world uh, 
with the exception maybe of Wall Street. Well, yeah, I was going to say of maybe like parts of Manhattan, but no, but it's an asshole attractor for sure. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's a, it's a, from, it's my, my, I had a friend who worked at NPR and um, a friend of mine from college and she said it really is a company town. Like everywhere you go, like there's something, people are all in this same general kind of industry, whether that's yeah. being in government or reporting on government or whatever. There's like, there, you're never more than a, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting an asshole in that town. Yeah, government adjacent. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, and what's what's interesting is like I think a lot of the concentration of assholes in Wall Street are from Connecticut mm-hmm. and Manhattan and Boston. Repotted assholes. Yeah. Whereas in Washington D.C., it is the top assholes from every state. Best of the best. It's America's assholes. Mm-hmm. All and and it's the you know it's all those people are every. Every congressperson or senator has all these interns Uh because it's like a job that they give to their friends and donors from their own towns. So these kids go to Penn State or they go to wherever state. Uh And then in the summer or or for a year, they go out there and work for their congressman. And they're, oh, my goodness. You might start out as a dick, but you end up an asshole. (laughs) You really do. It's 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 crucible. So fast. But so I lived in that... uh, you know, in in that like pretty protected little area. Well, and and I and at the time I was stunned. It was my first exposure to, I mean, seeing gentrification not as a general, like, well, that used to be a neighborhood like this, but now it's sort of the whole the neighborhood is transitioning, sort of thing. It was as you went from block to block, you could see, oh, every house on this block is nice. The next block over has uh-huh. a few shabby houses. Two blocks over has like 30% shabby houses. Five blocks. I mean, just block by block you watched. And then you would get out there where there was a block that was, <clears throat> you know, there wasn't a single house except there was one that had scaffolding around it. And somebody was pioneering there. Well, now you go all the way out and it's just beautiful homes the whole way. The entire neighborhood has been transformed. Mm-hmm. And yet there are still a couple of little stores, little little diners that have been there the whole time and have been there since before the neighborhood even went into decline. And it's just you walk in, it's just like one counter, five tables and a menu that's like grilled cheese sandwich, hamburger Philly cheesesteak. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, so uh, my baby and I went and found one of those, and we had a breakfast, uh-huh. and then we went to the Library of Congress. Wow! And we walked around, and we went through, to, looked down on the reading room, went to the Jefferson Library, which is they. <clears throat> so after the British burned the Capitol during the War of eighteen twelve. They burned the library, and so Thomas Jefferson gave his entire library, and he was at the time the, had the biggest library in the colonies, or I guess the states at that point. Mm-hmm. He donated his entire library, and then there was another fire, and his books have some of them burned again, but they have the majority of his books set wow. up, set up in a kind of circle like he had his library built. So we looked at those, and then we went to the Capitol and toured the Capitol and saw all the things. 
And then we walked, we went down to the Smithsonian. We walked all the way to the Lincoln Memorial. And she was like a super trooper. It was only on the other side of the Washington Monument when she started to say, this has been a long walk. Did you? Oh, so you did walk. That is so much longer than it looks. It's very long. It's walk. very very long walk. Yeah. And she said, "I do not think." Well, as we were approaching the Washington Monument, she said, "I think that we should stop at the Washington Monument." And I said, "Sweetheart, the Lincoln Memorial is just over the horizon. That's where it's going on, man. You got to get to the memorial." Yeah, and she was like, "I we've walked far enough, and we got to the Washington Monument. And there was the Lincoln Memorial in the distance." I was like, what do you think? Uh-huh. You think you want to bite it off? Because uh-huh. it's just, it's see, it's far, but it's also just right there. And as just soon as past she, the reflecting pool. Yeah, as he soon as she this. saw it, she was, I think she understood, like, that's on the back of the penny. Uh-huh. Like, and, and she's, <laughs> she knows, uh, she knows all about Lincoln. She'd sit and lecture me about Lincoln. So off we went, and it was great. We had a wonderful time. Mm. Although hmm. we went through the World War Two, the new World War Two memorial. Let's see. I think I know that one. It's, it's near. It's kind of adjacent. It's kind of not too far from the Vietnam one, right? Yep. And and not. It's just. But it, but it has pride of place. I mean, it's the most recent thing to actually occupy the mall itself, and it stretches across it. It's like a new feature mm-hmm. right between the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial. And it's like a pretty enormous wow, little yeah. amphitheater that they've built. And, you know, I've, I have a relationship with World War II as mm-hmm. a conflict. I've spent quite a bit of time on it personally in the course of my life. My dad fought in it and all his friends did. And I am sorry to say that the World War II memorial is an abject failure hmm. as a memorial. Really? It's just bad. It's badly done, badly designed, badly executed. And it was really sad to me because you're not allowed to say this is a bad memorial. It's an incredibly expensive memorial. It's an, it's, it was designed to be epic or to seem epic. It was designed, it, it felt like it was designed by a committee, like, we're, we've got this space on the mall, we have got to do something with a lot of whiz-bang. Mm-hmm. And so... That's kind of like a football field from the sky. Yeah, and it has no, it's, yeah, exactly, it's a... It's I mean, like, a, you know, it looks like a, like, a, like a high school, like, track. Yeah, an oval, mm-hmm. but it has very bad access to it. You can enter on one side, but not leave... On the other side, so, hmm. it, and it commemorates nothing. Like it has the it ha- one side of the oval has a big sign etched in marble, carved six, you know, let, letter six feet high that says Pacific, and the other side predictably says Atlantic. Hmm. It's a little on the nose. And then if you walk around. There are 50 pillars with all... Guess what's written on them? Is it the states? There's 50 of them. That's right. The states. states, All 50 states. Mm -hmm. There might be four. 48 at the time, yeah. Uh, Yeah, well, uh, but also there was Puerto Rico and and Guam. I don't think Puerto Rico counts. Uh, But they they got a... uh, They got a... 
They got a, a pillar. Yeah, you okay. Know, I guess that's one way to do it. You know what? I didn't go. I did not actually go around and see if Alaska and Hawaii were on there. That's very interesting. And it seems like the type of thing where Alaska and Hawaii would be there, mm-hmm. even though they weren't states at the time. I call it a retcon. It's a little bit of a retcon. But and then on either side, there are two fountains, I guess. And un- underneath the fountains are carved the names of all the major battles. But it is insufficient, entirely insufficient. Like there's no the names of the it dead. It doesn't not, feel are, momentous are, to be standing in it at right? all. I mean, and it whereas like the, the the Vietnam Wall was kind of a creeper. Like you, you get up in that thing, and it's like, ooh, there's something kind of momentous about this. Or obviously it's, the um, the World Trade Center one is kind of like that too. Like it, you really feel like an absence of something here in the presence of something else. Although the I just went to the World Trade Center memorial the other day also. Hmm. Guess what? Hmm. It closes at night. It's an enormous plaza. Hmm. An enormous plaza, right? It takes up the footprint of the whole yeah, old the World Trade Center. And what they've decided to, and there's nothing in it. It's just like fountains and and trees. I got, I got a little bit of a I got a little bit of a pebble in my shoe because the security guard yelled at my kid for uh, standing on the railing. Well, there you go. Yeah. So I went there. I think I, I think I think it can handle it. Yeah. yeah, and and I went there at let's <clears throat> say midnight. Mm-hmm. That's a good time to visit a memorial like that. It is. Yet, it is not, because they have decided in their infinite wisdom that it makes more sense for them to hire 40 to 50 security guards. Oh, it's like shoo people away. To walk around this park all night telling you that you cannot step foot into it. So you just you never forget, as long as it's not midnight. That's right, never forget. In which forget. case, you need to stop, stop remembering. And what's interesting is, <clears throat> if they're going to hire those 40 to 50 security guards, well, they could just let them walk around all night, and then you also could walk around. That's true. But instead, <laughs> I mean, it's not like, what are you going to get up to? Start a campfire? Yeah. Um, well, if guys there's, are up to no good at the World Trade Center. If there's 50 people walking <clears throat> around, I mean, and so I went there to have a solemn moment, mm-hmm. because, as you recall, I, was, I went up to the top of the World Trade Center on September 1st, 2001. And so when that all happened, you know, I was just 10 days from standing at the at the window on the world and standing on the roof, went up to the roof. Um, so it was, I mean, not to make it, not to make the, not to make 9-11 about me, but, <laughs> but it was, oh, it, was it. it was a very profound <laughs> experience to me. I was just there. Yeah. And so I wanted to go go have my moment with the with the memorial and um and at night like you say it would be I was hoping it to sort of be there alone and and not have to yeah. experience it in a crowd which always feels a little also a little weird. It was packed when we were there. <clears throat> That's why we should yeah. stand on the rail. She couldn't she couldn't see very well. So, you know, just shoot out by yeah. these people who, I mean, there's no fence around it. They're just standing there 14 feet away from me. And if you put your foot on the step, they're like, sorry, sorry, folks, park's closed. <laughs> Musaf Munch should have told you. <laughs> and I was infuriated. It's just like, wait a minute, who's yeah. in charge of this? I, yeah, here's, I, got a, I got a beef with this. There's another podcast I listen to where they talk a lot about um, Tra- Trafalgar, Trafalgar Square and mm-hmm. how Trafalgar Square, they've really cracked down. You're not allowed to climb. 
on the columns and the lines and whatnot. You, there's all kinds Lots of things of- you're not. They shoo you away now. It's like you know what? To me, a memorial should have the dignity and the structural integrity to handle a whole bunch of things, including yeah. kids playing on it in a way that they don't understand they're not supposed to be playing on it. Like that's part of what makes it a memorial. Like it's not. It isn't like you're going to see you know um, the body of Lenin. Like this is this is you know what I'm saying? Like a statue yeah. has like a certain gravitas to it that like I mean do you really need to shoot people away from that? I mean it's weird. Well, and it's it's partly security theater. We live in a world now where <laughs> oh, you that ain't, cannot, that ain't that ironical. Yeah. You cannot uh if you dis, if you like throw out the idea, hey, you know what we should do? We should hire fifty security guards to stand around this place. No one is gonna say no. Uh, because if you say, well, nine eleven, yeah, you've just you've just trumped any argument against the thing. Yeah, and it's like, do you think somebody's going to come blow up this memorial? Yeah, what I do mean, you think? I mean, they're they're in the course of the night that you're paying these fifty security guards to stand there. Fifty people would come. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no one's going to camp out there. They wouldn't even have a chance to sit down. But maybe they don't want homeless people there. Well, how could they? There's 50 security guards. Right, there. right. You could cut the number of security guards in half mm-hmm. and still have more than enough because huh. you need 50 of them to keep people out of every single entrance to the park. You only need 20 of them to keep people from camping there. But it's also, you know, there's a sculpture garden here in Seattle, an, outdo- an enormous outdoor sculpture garden, mm-hmm. and they have security. I swear to you, hiding in the bushes, oh because if you if you go there with a kid and she walks over and touches a, the calder, mm. there somebody appears at your shoulder. No, you know, don't touch the artwork. Mm. It's like this is an outdoor sculpture garden. I don't think you understand what a statue is. <laughs> which is, yeah, exactly. Which is closed at night, a, eh? and also don't touch. Wait, is it is it paper mache? Like, is no, it no. blessed? Like, uh, that's just weird. It's going to get ruined. Oh, don't ruin this. I just sent you a link. Uh, I, I admit this is a little bit over the top, but this is one of the most um, uh, over the top, but moving, disturbing memorials I've ever been to. I just sent you a link to the Holocaust Memorial in Miami. Have you, are you aware mm-hmm. of this? I have not been to the one in Miami. But have you seen, look at the photos. Uh, you sent it to me through Skype, right? Yeah. But you can um, just, just Google Holocaust Memorial in Miami. And look at the images. Oh, yeah. Hmm. You don't. You don't unsee that. Isn't that something? Yeah. I mean, I realize that when you're trying to sort of what's the word valorize World War II, the Great War, the Good War, diddly diddly d, it's got to be very you know dignified. But like, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for like a for a memorial that goes there. Well, that one really goes there. It does. It does. But I mean, like, so, I mean, I'm glad somebody went there. It's like I always used to say, even before I moved here, I'm glad Berkeley exists because Berkeley is a place where everything goes too far. America needs places that go too far. Yeah. Especially on our side. And I, I kind of feel like, you know, this is maybe a little bit, I don't know, uh, a little over the top, but like, I, it's, it, it's very affecting to see in yeah, person. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Well, I, I, I used to get in arguments with people, if you can believe it. You. Yeah. Uh, about the way the Holocaust has been memorialized and World War II has been memorialized. Because unfortunately for us, I think, um, the war was immediately followed upon by the brutalist movement and Mm -hmm. the the hyper sort of uh, modern, postmodern art 
world. And so if you travel I around... I believe they're brutalist. I think, yeah, yeah. but not, as well as going straight into the Cold War, like we didn't have time to change our socks and we were going into the Cold War. But on top of that, yeah, you've got these, these new architectural movements. They ain't going to get any federalism. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and also representative art fell out of fashion. So when you go around mm-hmm. looking at the memorials to World War II, a lot of them are black donuts. It's stuff that needs to be explained. Yeah. And now I buy that for the Vietnam Wall. When the Vietnam Wall went up, it had to kind of be explained to people. But I think it works. It has that uh, obelisk, not obelisk, but you know what I mean. That's that's Stanley yeah. Kubrick kind of quality. And I think that's very effective. But there are a lot where it's like, oh, there's a water feature and Blackstone. Uh, yeah, go, black. oh, okay, well, so what? How's that about like invading Poland? And 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 there's a lot of criticism to be made about the World War One memorials, where forty valiant soldiers stand, you know, carved in marble, stand and look at the di- middle distance mm-hmm. while they're, you know, around their feet are arrayed their dying comrades. Yeah, sort of, sort of like Civil War memorials, where it really. It really glamorizes it, and it's all like all those statues in in the United Kingdom, where it's just like here is here are our fallen heroes. Mm-hmm. You can make a lot of criticism about that, but there is, like you say, it doesn't need you don't need to stand there in a in a tour group hold with a guy, while a guy holding a clipboard explains that. This is the Holocaust. Memorial. Here's why you should be moved by this. <laughs> right. Or it's impossible to be moved by this, except what it symbolizes is the <laughs> un, uh, the unexpressibility mm. of what happened. Uh, and so you got you to really look inside yourself. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, so what mm-hmm. it is, is it's an inverted mm. pyramid with, uh, with like three Christmas. It's very intellectually moving. <laughs> and, and, and there are a lot of people that will defend that stuff at, because you know, because like they believe they, they feel that metaphor is is the only thing that's sufficient, right? Mm-hmm. But it always it's, there's not there's not any one answer to any of this. There's examples of all of these being done well or poorly that suit the purpose and don't. Some of them don't age well, but like it's it's not a question of I mean it's just a question of how well it's executed, don't you think? Well, that is what makes the Holocaust Memorial in Berlin. Such a heavy, heavy, heavy visit. Okay, looking it up. Because oh my god, all oh it my is god. It's an enormous, enormous field, full of exactly as you say, black obelisks. So it's basically casket, roughly casket-shaped stones. And it's open all night. First of all, mm-hmm. because it's in it's in Europe, and no one is trying. This is to why keep no one it. likes San Francisco. Everything closes too early here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well. Uh, that's one of the reasons no one likes well. it. Um, but so you go into this Holocaust memorial. Jesus and Christ. When, you, when you're on the edge of it, the stones are low. They're just a few feet high. You can sit on them. They're like benches on the uh, on the ring of this memorial all around it. Looking at it from, from a little bit of a distance, it has a, like a terrain-like quality. Is that because of the land's no. type topography or because no. of the way the, they've been arranged? It's meant. It's meant to look like that from the street. From That's the by design with the, like the size, the height of the stones. Yeah, looking oh my into God. it, it That's just kind of looks like a big rolling field. But it looks like a parking like, lot for caskets, kind of. But it is. It's very. It's stunning. Well, so here's what makes it astonishing because it is stunning, and there are people sitting and eating their lunch on it. It's there is a certain amount of like, well, this is just now a place that we, like, if you sit down on one of those stones. 
I don't know about the I don't know about noon whether somebody comes over and says, "Hey, get off that." But there's there wouldn't be a way to do it. It's right in the center of Berlin. It's right next to the US embassy. It's right where the the Berlin Wall used to be. It's like where the Reichstag was. It's it's like it's very there. it's really there. But yeah. if you walk into it and it's and it's meant to be interacted with, you walk into it, those paths, every every single one of those spaces between the obelisks is a path. And you walk in and then the earth falls away. And as you move toward the center of it, suddenly these obelisks are towering over you. They're 15, 20 feet above your head. Mm. And you're down in this space where, you know, every time you come around a corner, you can see all the way along the paths in either direction. And it becomes very disorienting and very overwhelming. And then when you're down in the center, you have no idea where you are because mm-hmm. you can no longer see out of the park. It functions like a maze. It functions like a maze, although it's just a grid. But you're 2000, down there. 2,711 concrete slabs. Right. I mean, think about that. That's an enormous, yeah. and these are big, big, big things. But but the way the, the, the way the valley of it works, when you're standing on it at the sidewalk, it looks like a hill because it kind of curves up. The, the tops of these obelisks curve up and have a topography, like you say. But when you're down in the valley, you can't see up to the street because it's so down. Wow. All you can see is is that you're you're it's you're very disoriented and also like a little scared. It actually ha- it actually accomplishes that you become overwhelmed and scared, like scared. Mm-hmm. Um, just your body naturally says like, um, I don't feel safe anymore. Like, like, can you, can we get out of here? But you don't know which way to go. Mm-hmm. And there are people down there who are playing mm-hmm. like not, not just little kids, but like teenagers and people in their twenties, stupid college students who are playing peekaboo with each other and running around. Cause it is like also a space where you get on, un- you get enough uncomfortable that it becomes like, well, why don't we play chase? Um, but again, there's nobody down there to tell you not to do that. And so everybody's interacting with it in a different way. And, and, um, and you do kind of your impulse when some 24 year old runs past you giggling, your impulse is to kind of grab him and say, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah, this is a heavy space, but you can't do that. You have to just. And that adds to the, it adds to your, your feelings, right? It's not, you're not sitting, looking over a chain, surveying a donut, trying to metaphorize the war. You're having like a, a real emotional, not just momentary experience, but like the longer you stay down there, the, the more you're fucked up by it. Anyway, so that's an example of like a modern memorial that, that accomplishes so much, kind of like the Vietnam Memorial. Do you remember when the Vietnam Memorial, um, mm-hmm. the Vietnam Memorial opened? Wow, oh, controversial! Incredibly it was? controversial. Yeah, that it was that it was too abstract, and that it was not. Um, yeah, that it was. There was. It was. It was. I think it was fairly costly, but mainly it was that it was. It was too abstract and like and like goofy to represent this thing. Well, and designed by an Asian, mm. which was very problematic. Very much a problem for people at the time. Like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Aren't all Asians alike? This one designed this <laughs> memorial for to us killing Asians? Right. 
but it has become like a major, major part of the experience of Washington, D.C., and it's still very emotional. It's very mm-hmm. Anyway, the World War II uh, memorial is, I would not say abject failure unless I meant it. Mm-hmm. It succeeds at no level except at being an example of a committee, deci- a committee designed, extremely expensive, uh, like hole in the ground. And it doesn't achieve awesomeness. You, you're not even awed by it. You're just down there going, so every one of these things has the name of a state on it, and each one has a giant, um, like, bronze wreath on it. Mm-hmm. But they don't, they're just meant to like, oh, yeah, so Massachusetts, okay, what's next? Oh, Rhode Island. Like, there's no, there are no surprises in it. It's like looking at a placemat. Yeah. Yeah. And so I walked out of there, like, very, very, very disappointed. Not just in the, like, I'm sure it's closed at night, too. I'm sure there's 10 guards that walk around it and tell you you can't be there. Um, But... But it really feels like a monument to our time, certainly, and uh, and I guess at that level, it it it's like when you go into cities and you see new developments, new housing developments or mm-hmm. whatnot, and you say like, oh, that one was built in two thousand seven, because mm-hmm. it's the same like baby shit colors that every building built in two thousand seven was. <laughs> and, I feel know, that way about awnings. Suddenly, suddenly, circa like 1984, 1985, everything had to have an awning. Oh yeah, and awnings were everywhere. And it, whether it was your like your local like bistro or the mall, like suddenly everything had to have an awning. You had awnings and atriums, and they yeah. did not age well. It was it was one, like a lot of uh, actually brutalist architecture did not age well. Not very well designed. Awnings get mildewy. Yes, they do. Atriums have to be cleaned regularly. Yes, Atria. that's true. Yeah. Atria. <laughs> and in most cases, they did not endow the building with, like, a cleaning fund. No, that's, that is the thing about a Chick-fil-A. Um, precious Tell few me more. Chi- well, precious few Chick-fil-A's have their own endowment. It's not Rice University. Like, there's going to have to be, there's going to have to be a lot of bootstrapping to keep the atria clean. <laughs> Eat more chicken. <laughs> it's like a racks. Do you remember racks? They all had atria. That's right. No, you know what? I'm thinking of racks. I think I'm yeah, thinking racks. of a racks. Racks was, racks was somewhere between, it was kind of like an Arby's want to be maybe a little it was nicer, a nicer, than arby's. nicer arby's i haven't thought about racks in a very long time is there and a memorial all, for racks i don't think so i went online not very long ago and looked up racks it's still I was around like, there are still racks you can still get a racks racks roast beef tried and true the regular racks racks roast beef racks. and there used to be <laughs> sound like scooby-doo <laughs> racks. racks roast beef <laughs> Hey, like, what do you want for lunch, man? Shit, dog. Racks. I mean, back in the 80s when my family ate at fast food restaurants, probably, I mean, they, it was still nice. Yeah. We would still get up, get dressed, go out of the house to go to the Burger King or the... Or the Taco Bell. <laughs> we had dignity back then. Not even the Taco Time, but the Taco Bell. Oh, uh, the Taco Bell. Taco Bell was pretty deluxe at, at, at a certain time. That was a, a pretty big point. deal to have fresh-ish Mexican food. I'm, I'm not trying to be that guy, but, but Taco Bell did used to kind of be better. 
It was so good. I yeah. mean, it was in the eighties. In the eighties, Taco Bell was a treat. We would drive to Tampa to go to Taco Bell. Yeah, right. And and we would we ate fast food all the time. It was not. It was down market, obviously, but mm-hmm. but back then the distinction was between did you eat at home or did you eat out? Mm-hmm. And obviously, like eating out, uh, we weren't going to Simon and Seifert's and getting. Uh, getting like fettuccine alfredo which mm-hmm. was like pretty much had to be your birthday yeah um or like your graduation I mean, you could day. feed a family for 20 bucks well yeah and and uh and, and maybe less right i mean i would get and it's like, gotten even cheaper oh my god everything is it's so crazy how cheap stuff is now you get five tacos for 99 cents now. it's crazy how cheap fast food is now it's it's got to be some kind of jam up it's crazy well, they- how cheap it is I think they just they walk cows mm-hmm. into a giant spinning blade like the top of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. They, they, they've oh, I see what you're saying. It's like the big fan. They've, they've achieved yeah. Uh, scalability. Yeah, they just walk. They're like here, cow, here, cow, and they mm-hmm. just walk them straight into this thing, and pure hamburger comes out the other side. That's amazing. It used to be and, so much messier. Well, yeah, you had to like interact with the cow a little mm-hmm. bit, give it last rites. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's take true. It, take its <laughs> collar off and record its name and number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, all right, stop. <laughs> but <laughs> they have a whole but, section on baked potatoes. You can get a plain potato, butter potato, sour cream potato, cheese potato, cheese and bacon potato, cheese and broccoli potato, chili and cheese potato, barbecue beef and racks, cheese potato. No. I'm talking about racks here. Great taste, great selection. Racks. The, the, I think the thing that distinguished racks was that it was the first restaurant of its kind that had a salad bar, and it really brought people in. Because the salad bar, the the uh, like go around and wow, look at this! It's a whole thing of garbanzo beans. Oh my goodness, look at this! It's a whole thing of cottage cheese. Yeah, that was really novel and and uh, and Rax was early adopter. There's also that there was a trend toward that eventually they pulled back from. But there was a trend. I feel like the '70s were sort of the silver age of the, uh, or maybe the golden age of the salad bar. And then you had a silver age of the salad bar. Where it was like, then it became kind of like table stakes and places like Ponderosa Bonanza. It started, they went, they shifted from being like a York Steakhouse style, like slightly upscale mall ish food to being like, it was all about all you can eat. So you go to Ponderosa and it was always like, you could get a steak, but mostly you were there for the hot bar. You were, you are throwing some, some brand, some Midwestern brand names at me that I'm digging, but we didn't have any of those. You didn't things. have, oh, York Steakhouse was nice. So, York Steakhouse was uh, Northgate Mall, Coleraine Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio. I think it opened with the mall probably in 72. And it was like our little, it was like if you wanted to go spend a little bit, normally after church, before church, you go to Perkins, right? Sure. You sure. Go to Perkins and get, you get, I get strawberry pancakes. God we bless didn't my have mom. Perkins either, but yes. You know, the, you know the brand. And then yep, um, often what you do is if you got a little bit of dough after church, you go to Forum, and Forum was the cafeteria. There was a cafeteria at our mall where you had a little mm-hmm. tray and you get you know little green jello cubes. A little bit upscale, maybe once every couple months you go to York Steakhouse, which had a medieval theme, which yeah, I'm now so going to try to seek out. York Steakhouse was amazing. And my, my uh, first grade uh, girlfriend and I, we would talk about the date we would eventually go on to York Steakhouse and what we would each get. <laughs> oh, you had an aspirational date. Aspirational date with my aspirational Plans. girlfriend. Yeah. I think well, she's a healthcare are, professional now. I, I was having some drinks and Googled her one night. Was she your actual she's my girlfriend? Age. My, first your girl, my, my first grade girlfriend's 50 now. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. She's but always you, been my age. 
you did go out with her. You did. It wasn't just that. Didn't you, happen. No, I changed schools in 1976. Went to a different school in fourth grade, right around the age that, that something like that might have even kind of begun I, to have happened. But no, I, mostly phone fourth, calls about York Steakhouse. Fourth grade was my first kiss. My first, uh, Sherry Edwards kissed me in third grade during a fire drill. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? She, she took. She snuck you a kiss, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lockdown. <laughs> I uh, I untangled a dog that someone had tied to a pole. And he had gotten himself tangled up so that he was just like his collar was just right next to the pole. He couldn't move because he spun around it so many times. I'm not Aww. saying it's a smart dog. No. Um, but I got to, a bunch of people were walking past it just looking at it like, oh, look at this stupid thing. And I actually got down and like grabbed the dog, untangled, you know, like unhooked him, untangled his leash, put him back together and was like, I don't I don't know what to tell you, dog. Like. You'll, your owner will be back soon. Listen to me now. Look mm-hmm. at me. Your guy will be back soon. But in <laughs> Did the you do meantime, that thing with your, with your two fingers where you point him at him, point him yeah, at your eyes? Like, I was like, here. I need look two, at, two, you know, two right here, buddy. Two eyes up. Look, you're going to be okay. And honestly, I have no idea whether the owner, when he arrived, wrapped the thing around the pole 16 times because he didn't want his dog to have free reign. But I undid, I undid the dog. Hmm. And when I when I stood back up, I turned around, and this girl who was... Um, somebody that I <clears throat> understood to be a high-status girl. Mm. Uh, and I swear to you, I've tried to remember her name 30,000 times because we became... It was the first time I ever was actively flirtatious with a with a young lady. Wow. When we were... We, we saw each other one time at a grocery store where she was with her mom and I was with my mom. And our parents noticed because, you know, we'd go up an aisle and they'd go down the other aisle. And when we would look at each other from down the aisle, we were just like eyes locked, like Hmm. little birds flying around. And my mom was like, who is that girl? Hmm. She's really, you guys are really like vibing. You got chemistry. We had chemistry, but I was standing there having just rescued this dog and she was there and she came over and kissed me. And I was like, what do I do now? What mm. do I do now? And unfortunately, I didn't, even then, this became a trait throughout my life. Even then, I like so little knew what to do that I just did nothing. Mm. <laughs> shut shut down completely mm-hmm. and was just to- like... Totally normal. Durr. Yeah. But I never went to her and said, will you be my girlfriend? And she never came to me and said, like, will you go with me or whatever? Because we're in fourth grade, right? We're not in fifth. We're not so sophisticated as fifth graders. No. And then I moved away. <sighs> I did it also. I moved away to, to, I moved to Alaska. And so she went on to, she went on to a life so distant from me that I cannot even recall her name. Oh my God. And our class pictures, the mm-hmm. ones that they gave us throughout the seventies, where we all stood in the gym mm-hmm. or we all like the, lined the, up. Yeah. The, the little kids knelt in the front and the tall kids stood in the back. Yeah. Uh, those, those class pictures have no names. So they never put like, all the names underneath. That's so, a memorial. Hmm. Right. So, well, now I just look at it and I'm like, I remember mm-hmm. Thomas and Peter Kluge. And I, rem- uh, I remember that girl's name. Right, but right. Otherwise, I'm just, I'm blind. When you're losing a little bit every day. Well, yeah, but I couldn't have told you who they were 15 years ago. Mm. I sent you a link to um, images of York Steakhouse. The last York Steakhouse closed in uh, the late 80s. 
Well, so our version of that. Oh, I see. So this is like, yeah, it's done up like a sizzler. This is a sizzler. But it's like so, it's it's supposed to be like a castle. It's supposed to be there's castles. like yeah, uh, yeah, right, right. In Anchorage, there was a clinker dagger, bicker staff, and pits. <laughs> And that was the medieval themed steakhouse. I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> Say it again. Uh, Clinker Dagger, Bickerstaff, and Pitts. I think it's. I don't think it's Bickerstaff. I think it's Binker Binkerstein. <laughs> uh, but the waitresses there actually dressed like medieval wenches, and it was table service. It wasn't like walk up and there's a menu. It was. Mm-hmm. It was the fancy medieval steakhouse. I don't understand why steakhouses and restaurants had. So many themes back then. 70s. Well, I think it's a little bit like uh, skins or themes in a video game, where you've got the basic game, but then you can slap some Adventure Time on that, and it's not really like a large extra cost. You know, you got to give it, got to give it a feel. Like Ponderosa mm-hmm. had kind of like a Western feel, right? <laughs> like, uh, and then obviously this York. Oh God, look at these! Look at that! You go and you pick. You look at a photo of your steak, and you pick it by number. Say the number. Well, I, I see here now, yeah, a lot of different kinds of pie. Mm. I like I like a lot of pie. Yep. Probably had some fresh baked bread. Uh, there Whoa. were a couple of places in Anchorage. Like, there was one, I forget the name, but every room in the restaurant, it was big, big restaurant, and every room in the place had a different theme. <laughs> so your waiter would come oh, and yeah. he'd, he'd wait, have, like, wait, a straw boater. I'm, I'm sorry, I got, I got involved in this page about how to become a franchisee of steak and ale. I'd like to return to that. I, 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 are you talking about like the wacky seventies, like where waiters and waitresses dress up and there's themes and that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, the guy's got a straw boater on, but then you go it's like, over it's to like the ferals, but for spaghetti. Exactly, and okay, then the guy next that. to you has, a, has yeah. like a pirate hat on, and then yeah. this one she's wearing a hoop skirt, mm-hmm. and and he's got a you know it's sock hoppy, and oh the fun you would have. And oh, you would so get, nice. yeah, spaghetti. I or, want to say spaghetti warehouse, which sounds like a terrible name. That can't possibly be the name of this. We so went there for the, my birthday when I was ten. So the spaghetti warehouse. Spaghetti warehouse. So that's actually a Seattle chain. No that shit. That started in Seattle. <gasps> and they had they had uh, two different kinds of bread: wheat, wheat bread and white bread. Really? That would come. That would come on a little. <laughs> Like a little sort of one of those pizza, the wooden sort of pizza uh, boards. Oh, sure, sure, sure. It's like a charcuterie, but for two kinds of bread. Yep, and you would have two kinds of butter. Oh, butter butter and dairy butter? No, then they would have garlic butter in a a dark uh, ramekin, dark colored ramekin. Oh, right. If you were ready to go there. Did every spaghetti warehouse have a train in it? I thought that was just ours. No, they all had a train. Oh, my goodness. A, a street car or a train car in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That had tables in it. Oh my God. I remember this so well. My 10th birthday. I remember this so well. It's, oh, they got meatballs.com is their domain. That's a great domain. Well, it's super good. I mean, think of all, meatballs. Think about all, the, all the businesses that could have gotten meatballs.com. You got Bill Murray, fan group. Yeah, right? right. Or like It's Raining Meatballs or whatever that mm-hmm. film was. Hallelujah, It's Raining Meatballs. Oh, right, I see. Cl- you cloudy with the ch- Yes, yes, yes. Meatballs.com. See, that's smart. That is smart. That's smart IP. Meatballs.com. It could have been anything. But it could I have been see a, pictures like a bar the, in New Jersey. I want to see pictures of the dressed up people. Well, oh. so so Spaghetti Warehouse had, yeah. I think their signature dish, to be honest, was Mazithra cheese. Hmm. They had mazithra cheese, which seemed so exotic. It was like a re- it was like a grated sort of 
sharp foreign cheese. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ain't Zithra. no Parmesan. Zithra. And they would make this. And so, so obviously what you would get was half and half, which was half Mazithra cheese on your spaghetti and half meat sauce. And you would kind of mix the two in a bite. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you were some, if you were the other kind of person, you'd eat a little bit of Mazithra and then you'd eat a little bit of meat. Oh, um, it was definitely where you went for your birthday. And, and in Seattle, it remains the place that you go on prom night. Is that right? Starting during prom season, you can't even go into a spaghetti warehouse. Is that There's right? That's so, so interesting. Many, so many proms happening. See, this is also, this is a little bit orthogonal to the sort of Bennigan's. Mm. Bennigan's was, well, so Bennigan's to me was like, you know, a very steel, uh, Steely Dan, kind of like ferns and brass kind of place. Mm. But yep. then there was that trend of like, what, Cracker Barrel type things, but like shit on the walls kind of places? Spaghetti yep. Warehouse is a little bit of a shit on the walls kind of places, don't you think? Oh, there could be a loom or an old Coca-Cola sign, that kind of thing. Yeah, but but the Spaghetti Warehouse had <clears throat> it was very old timey. It was very streetcar in the middle of the of the restaurant type, mm-hmm. type spot. And yeah, they would have worn uh, gators on their or what, what oh, like a saying? garter, like a garter, garter on your sleeve, strap boater. Yes, exactly. Um, so it appears that, so did you ever, uh, so steak and ale was, was always loomed large in my childhood. You didn't have those. Well, steak and ale was like, again, it was a little bit medieval. Uh, you go in, the uh, menu is on a cleaver. They hand you a cleaver, weighs a couple pounds, and that's got the menu on it. They but it's front, not a sharp cleaver, it's a dull cleaver. It's a pretty dull cleaver. It's a medieval yeah. cleaver. And uh, they give you the menu on that. So this is a page at com, which apparently now owns steak and ale. And this is... Um, this is a certain kind of web page that I really enjoy uh, that was never written for a human being. Uh, the headline on the page is, thank you for your interest. <laughs> in being a this part, is an active restaurant? Uh, well, in being a part of the legendary family of brands, Bennigan's, Bennigan's on the fly and Steak and Ale, that's the interest that they're thanking you for. We are yeah. pleased to share some information about our beloved brands. <laughs> Once you've read through these materials, we would welcome the opportunity to speak with you directly about our exciting franchising opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Created in 1966 by Norman Brinker, period. Once revered for its once revered for its succulent prime rib, warm bread, and bountiful salad bar, steak and ale is poised for an epic comeback. <laughs> Redefined, <laughs> I think I'm doing Munch Squad. Redefined as a 21st century polished casual concept, <laughs> while retaining mean? the signature elements that made it an American classic, the new steak and ale will once again set the standard for affordable steak. <laughs> Guided and supported by an expert operations and management team, qualified franchisees have the opportunity to generate immediate consumer loyalty by bringing back a beloved restaurant blessed with decades of goodwill and brand equity. Whoa, blessed. They just put it right out there. Are you getting what I'm getting from this, though? This is kind of like, boy, this is my 67 Mustang that nobody hasn't been able to start in 30 years. Won't Mm. it be great? Can you imagine yourself driving this thing? How great that's mm-hmm. going to be! Does it have a little bit of that feel to it? Well, the people that open franchises—that's always been very curious to me, right? It's like I want to own a restaurant, but I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about all that restauranty stuff, like right. what kind of restaurant, what we, what it, what what our menu is. Like it's, very, wanna, it's like a very retired sports guy thing to do. Yeah, like owning a Pontiac you want to invest. dealership. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to like invest in this turnkey operation. 
Isn't that kind of like, isn't that the mm-hmm. appeal to a lot of people? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I have $150,000 to invest in something. I want something that's going to grow and I don't have to do too much work on. So I become a franchisee. Yeah. And there's a ton of, <laughs> I, there are other franchisees out there who are going to help me figure out how to hire a manager. And then well, they got, I do They got a great operations team at Bennigan's. <clears throat> I bet they do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're like McDonald's franchisees. A lot of them have five or six different restaurants, and they're just like, I guess, raking in the dough. Yeah. You can tell a but, franchise McDonald's. It's not the but same. It's, it's really interesting to think that, well, first of all, who's going to go to the Steak and Ale web, website? Obviously, hmm. they don't think it's going to be a customer no. who wants to see the menu. They no, think, it's a, I'm thinking we should look at this, you and me. It's, it's a, The title of the page is Own a Steak and Ale. <laughs> They got a phone number and an email address here. You can just let them know. You can help bring back this American classic. Yeah. All right, I'm I'm looking up steak and ale here. <clears throat> yeah. uh, oh, st- well, no, Bennigan's.com. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. Slash Bennigan's. Wow. Oh, and, th- and it has a this sort video. of like a brand on wood. Mm-hmm. So that that would suggest uh, Western, but then I see that the other logo is a shield. Mm-hmm. Established mm. 1966, which was a heyday for medieval period. Oh, this is great. Oh, my gosh. They, they built out a whole site for this. Step one, why steak and ale? The new steak and ale offers a contemporary, cost-effective franchise opportunity for, with a highly recognizable brand. Uh, jumping down, our franchisees benefit from a state-of-the-art restaurant prototype. Compelling sure. unit economics, low cost of entry, contemporary look with iconic elements, warm, intimate atmosphere, smaller footprint to increase real estate flexibility. Right, 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 right. No, you can put one in anywhere. Twist, lobster you put one bisque. in a mall or like you in a half of a gas whatever, station. Man, small footprint investment yeah. profile. You get a, a polished casual experience at a casual dining price point. Yeah. Franchisees I may mean, localize and they appeal to multiple generations. So... So I, here's my question. Yeah. I know what a Bennigan's is, and yeah. I know what a steak and ale is, but what is a Bennigan's on the fly? I think a Bennigan's on the fly is going to be like the, you know how, sh- how shitty Chili's is, but then you get the even shittier Chili's next to Chili's in an airport, like oh, the little yep. booth. Yep, I bet Chili's Bennigan's next to Chili's. The, what's, what's that called? Chili's to go? Chili squirts? I yep. bet it's like that. I bet it's a little squirts. I bet it's like that with the Bennigan's on the fly. Let's find out about Bennigan's on the fly. Bennigan's on the fly. I Bennigan's just feel like you you could not say that without making a little bit of a hip hop gesture with your hands, like a little bit of Bennigan's yes. on the fly. Bennigan's and then on the fly. It, you hit it with a little bit. You hit it with some backwards palm out, uh-huh. like like back of hand out uh, accentuation. Oh, Accentigu. Oh, oh, oh. Guess what? Same Benigans phone number, same email address. Thank you for interest in being part of the legendary family of brands. Bennigan's, you can buy a Bennigan's. Bennigan's is a high-energy neighborhood restaurant and tavern that is redefining casual dining. Wow. Again and again. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. It, it is. It's Every very... member of the team bleeds green and demonstrates a 25-8 focus on supporting our franchise community. 25-8. They bleed green? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're, they're making a connection to their Irish roots. <laughs> they bleed green and they demonstrate a 25-8 focus. That's like, you know, the Beatles, eight days a week, 25 hours a day, eight days a week. I think it's what that means. Um, 25 8. 25 8? 25 No, eight. they don't really say 25 8. Yeah, it's in quotes. 25 hours a day, eight days a week. Oh, the form's pretty long. You fill out a form. I don't, I'm just saying, you and me, I don't know what, I, I don't have a lot of extra dough right now, but like I'm thinking maybe between you, me, you know, Ken Jennings. Why don't, we, why don't we go in on like a, a bed against or a steak and ale? I'm going to leave it open to you guys. So, you know what I just did? I clicked on. Bennigan's fra- Franchise Opportunities International. Oh! And that actually has a five-step process. Yeah. Step one, why Bennigan's? Mm-hmm. Step two, growth markets. Yeah, yeah, they got it for all of them. 
I'm telling you, you click on domestic, you get this too. But now for international, I bet that's a good deal more complicated for international. Well, so here's here's what I see when I click on the growth markets map. I see several Bennigans in Mexico, more than a handful, Mm -hmm. and then one that appears to be in Ankara, Turkey. Oh, yeah, look at that. And one in South Korea. Okay. Oh, oh, at least, well, is that a shadow or are there two? Oh, there might be two. Two oh, in South okay. Korea. Huh. And one in one in Turkey or maybe on the island of Crete. It's hard to tell exactly because they won't let me zoom in on the map. I know. It's but very, very there's not a single one in Europe. I feel like you could put 30 of these in Saudi Arabia. Oh, absolutely. Put some TVs up. But then you look at the sign and it says American Fair Irish mm-hmm. Hospitality. Irish Hospitality. Okay. When you think of hospitality. Yeah, you go straight to the you, Irish. You really do think of the Irish. Current promotions. <laughs> well, I, you know, obviously this is going to be, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm on the, uh, now I'm on the current promotions page for Bennigan's. The Yolo Monte Burger. Mm-hmm. That's got some kind of a cream on it and it's got a sauce on top of the bun. That's a very Irish name. Yolo Monte. Yolo Monte. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't wasn't Yolo Monte like on Hollywood Squares at some point? Center <laughs> gets the square. <laughs> All right. Um, tell uh, me, tell me. Do you think? Yes. Think about you, me, owning a franchise restaurant. Okay, let's, let's start. Start with the relationship, not the property. Right. Right. We'll find the property that matches what it is that we're about. I think you and if the two of us were going to open a franchise restaurant, we would pick a third city. That's neither of our cities, right? Like we, we right. could put one in Missoula, Montana, let's say. Is it selfish for us to want the kinds of foods that we like to have at certain times of day? Because I feel like a big part is a passion project where like you're not just going to go into this as an investor. This is a lifestyle job. Like if we're going to oh. really put our back into it, there should probably be some dim sum. So you want to put this in a city where you can go and kind of be, be the boss, be the big okay. wheel that we rolls in. We can take in. it and turn it. What if we just don't care? And it's really just about making money. That's another way to look at it. Where, yeah, way. like it's it's in Winnemucca, Nevada, and yeah. neither of us ever go there. Put in Bakersfield. Or we could open two of them, one in Seattle and one in in San Francisco. I just wonder if you're the owner of a Bennigan's on the fly. Yeah. Can you be one of those people that's like, well, that's the that's the boss's table. Like the table always has a reserved but tent on it, and you're just like, I. Uh, that's you know, we keep that for the boss because he comes in all the time and wants a, uh, wants a you're Malibu. Say, if I understand what you're saying, you're saying, look, I, I'm more than the franchisee. Like I'm the owner. Like yeah. if I don't want to have potatoes on this menu, guess what? No potatoes on the menu. This is the way John the, likes it. You cook the burgers the, the way you like it. The only reason I would open a restaurant is to give myself somewhere to go every day. You get a big table. You get a banquet, like a big curvy banquet, where you, yep. where you, that's all, just always reserved for John. You sit in there. Sometimes people come over and they ask you a question. Sometimes you, you sign your a piece of paper. There, your uh-huh. ashtrays. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, you can't smoke in here, can't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people come over and they're like, they're like, John, I know, I know, I owe you fifty grand. I'm going to pay you in installments, and you're like, mm-hmm. no, I'm afraid you're not. I'm afraid you're going to give me that fifty grand by by Friday, or yeah. uh, and then a guy, a really big guy in Rocco. an ill-fitting Rocco suit, Rocco comes out. He breaks, he breaks, he breaks his knuckles, but gives him a breadstick. Yeah, he kind of stands. He <laughs> he takes two steps closer to him, sort of like sort of like the mountain in uh, in oh, Game oh, of yeah, Thrones. Right, right. Oh, exactly. You stepped a little bit too close to the queen. Yeah, he oh. never says anything. He get just off, takes get a off step my dance. Now, what if you had a dance? 
what if you had a dais? What if you had like a raised area, not precisely an iron throne, but like an iron banquette? What if you had an area that was just for John and the people that he invited into court? It would absolutely be a little bit higher than anything else in the room. It would be <laughs> Maybe close just like to... four inches high. <laughs> just, it's like when you go to the pharmacy, right? Just just enough to be kind of annoying, a little bit higher. Yeah, and then the t- the chairs on the other side of the table all, all have their legs cut down like just an inch. Just all, the... all of the customers' chairs have the diagonals of legs just like an eighth of an inch shorter, so you're never quite comfortable. Yeah, they're always kind of sitting there. Well, you know, you want your customers. <laughs> You want your customers to come back. It's just the people that are sitting close to you. Oh, it was close to you. Well, I think it's a good idea for you to keep everybody on their toes. They go in well, thinking this is going to be just another Bennigan's on the fly. <laughs> and it's the There's a man with piles of paper smoking cigarettes. <laughs> smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and, and also wearing sunglasses that are tinted at the top but not at the bottom. <laughs> it's kind of like a Jim Jones franchise opportunity. And they keep like three times a day they come out and put a steak in front of you. <laughs> It's a little bit like feeding a male lion. (laughs) You eat about half of it, and then you push it away. (laughs) Light of light of butt. (laughs) Sir. Sir. That's the only reason I would open a Bennigan's on the fly, to give myself that. Would the waiters be allowed to vape? Not during, no, not, not during, during the not working hours. But you can stand in the back of the kitchen. You yeah. stand in the back of the kitchen and vape back your the heart. Kitchen, they, got, they got fans back there. But also, I like those kinds of places that are like the low, what you're describing, though, I've seen a lot at like, you know, uh, one owner, one-off restaurants where there will be a table that the owner always sits at and basically conducts business from. Mm-hmm. I think you could fuck this up real good, regardless, you know? Yep. But I, I like the idea of a turnkey operation, though. Maybe someplace that used to be a pizza hut and then it was a dentist office and now you're going to make it into John's restaurant. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, an old Taco Bell where the roof line or a, all all the time in Washington, you see like really old international houses of pancakes where they had that super tall blue roof. Oh, but, yes. Yeah. Unmistakable. But, you know, like the A-frame tall roof. But now it's a Thai restaurant. There's a there's many sites like this. One I'm looking at right now is used to be a Pizza Hut. Dot blogspot. Dot com. Let's see. Let's Where see it has I, kind of that red witch's hat oh, roof. It's, it's like Taco Bell, IHOP, and Pizza Hut. You can't wash that off. It's always. I mean, no matter how much good dental work you do in there, it's always going to be a Taco Bell. Used to be a pizza. This is the kind of website that makes me so happy. Oh God, John. You, used to be a Pizza I Hut. I found it. Go to notfoolinganybody.com. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Used to be a Pizza Hut has a world map uh-huh. covered with doubt uh, with dots where you can go to all the used to be a Pizza Huts. Oh, I'm all right. Good. Tell, okay. What was the other one? Clear it was your called cal- Clear Your Calendar. Right. <clears throat> Not fooling anybody. dot com, and then you uh-huh. click on Original Restaurants. Show me everything that used to be an Arby's. <laughs> Show me everything that used to be a KFC. <laughs> this is a very important website. This could be. This could really guide us. Maybe, Who are these people? Do you think Ken I Jennings would want to be? Would Ken Jennings want to be maybe like a like a silent partner on this? Do you think? You know he's uh, he he's he guards his brand pretty carefully, right? Mm-hmm. He's not. He doesn't want to just go out and open a well, smoke. What if mat? we agreed to be silent too? Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, like he's silent. We're silent. We don't even talk about it. He just gets oh, a check every couple years. Merlin, I, I forgot entirely about photo Photomat. Now, what did what became a photomat? The smoke mat. The smoke mat, What's which is just mat? like a smoke. It's just like <gasps> you a could, smoke the shop. Photomat for cigarettes. Yeah, you go up oh get a cigar. God. You drive. It's a drive-up cigarette store. Oh, look at that! That oh, I love photomats. Arthur Treacher's. Not fooling anybody. has a manifesto. Okay. Oh, 
Let's see. It is not without the bitter taste of self-awareness, specifically about the overwhelmingly crass and commercial and indeed downtrodden and dreary, hmm. bleakly suburban and economically grim and nature of the content of this site that we at NFA, not fooling anybody, embark <laughs> on our quest to document bad conversions. Hmm. Oh, this is a labor of love for yeah. some nut job and his friends. <sighs> God it's bless like, him. I know a gal who has an Instagram page, which is just called Street Seats. Mm -hmm. And what she wants is you to send her any picture of a chair or couch that someone has put out on the sidewalk. Oh, there's a Tumblr called uh, Want to Take a Nap? Um, <laughs> and it's just mattresses on the street. <laughs> I love these Try things. the field guide. The field, a field guide to common bad conversions. Okay, so this this is they the, don't have racks. They do have pond IHOP. You got to be blind to miss an IHOP. Those ginormous A-frame restaurants make excellent conversions into all kinds of strange things, from car dealerships to supermarkets. Hardee's and Carl's Jr. Friendlies. Yep, Long John Silver's. Dairy Queen. Oh, they have Ponderosas here. You were talking about them. Pond, Ponderosa? I think they're still around. These lie abandoned around the city as well as the open range. Look for high vertical beige. Oh yes, of course. It's very distinctive. And they've got a very helpful little guide here. Oh, the Kettering Chiropractic Center in Ohio. Well, so that used to be a, that used to be a Ponderosa. Here's a question I've always wanted to ask somebody, and there's really nobody I nobody better than you to ask. Yeah, please. What is the deal with Wiener Schnitzel? I've, I've never I've never known. That sounds like one of those things they mention in a movie based in like L.A. And I just don't know what it means. Is, is it so, a hot dog place? It's a hot dog place, but the problem is Wiener Schnitzel. Or, yeah. if you will, Wiener Schnitzel. That's an actual dish. Is that veal? It's like a pounded pork cutlet. That's with, it. Uh, there you go. But it is like an actual an, meal. It's, a, it's, it's an a, actual Wiener Schnitzel, the Austrian dish. Is not a hot dog or oh, a sausage of any kind. I it would is go like, and eat this cutlet at a place. But I, if I went in expecting this cutlet and got the offer of hot dogs, I think I'd be sorely disappointed. Yeah, someone in a weird hat that's got hot dogs and lemonade, which were the two things that they served at Wiener Schnitzel. That's Schnitzel's. so strange. And you're just like, if you want to put the word Wiener in something, yeah. go right ahead. Call it a, you know, call it a Wiener popper. I would call Wiener it, you know what? I think, that, what's the German? Is it Castle is Schloss? Maybe uh, Wiener yeah. Schloss would be good. Wiener, Schl Wiener Schloss. We Wiener start a Wiener Schloss. <laughs> But also, we, we only serve Wiener Schnitzel. We should put... <laughs> <laughs> Danke. Oh, Wiener Schloss. Yes. Yes, and it serves Wiener Schnitzel. Uh, if, anybody we'll put it right draw, if anybody wants to draw that up as a concept... Oh. We're, we're willing to franchise that it. That would be fine. We may. We may. We're, gonna, we're looking at a lot of offers right now. As you can tell, we still got a lot of ideas in the air right I now. I wish we knew somebody that could do internet coding. We yeah. could get... Or maybe we get Dan Benjamin to do it. Code us up a site. Wiener schloss.com and we he, put him, he would call it the wiener schloss method we put it right next to wiener schnitzels mm -hmm. except all we serve is wiener schnitzel yeah take that and then and then they're like oh we got hot dogs and it's like boy this is <laughs> yeah. not sorry buddies who's disappointed now right you come into Let our me, place you think it's gonna be hot dogs fuck that you're gonna get a pounded that. cutlet pork pork pounded cutlet <clears throat> breaded and fried with an egg on it the Look thing at is that, that if you that. go if you go across europe a schnitzel is the basic food item in any place. Like any time you walk into a pub mm -hmm. and sit down and open the menu, there are six kinds of schnitzel. It's the first thing on the menu. <clears throat> this is, there you, are many cultures that feature something like a schnitzel. Yes. Mm -hmm. Schnitzel, schnitzel everywhere. Schnitzel, it's schnitzel, schnitzel. 
that famous song mm-hmm. uh, that uh, <clears throat> sung by uh, Heidi uh, Gruberschmitz, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was "It's Raining Schnitzel." Mm, hallelujah, it's raining Schnitzel. Um, we're running but a little bit long. But the Wiener Schnitzel, as, as you go down, yeah. Yeah. the Wiener Schnitzel is the last thing on the menu, and it always has an egg on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you need to go. No, no. Oh, tonkatsu. Yeah, that would count. Tonkatsu. I could see that counting. It's a schnitzel. That's a kind of a schnitzel. Um, we're skipping over. We're really burying the lead. Uh, what are you going to do about a phone now? Because this so, is, I mean, I realize this is probably should save this for the next episode because this could be a whole thing. But have you made a decision about what to do next about a phone? So here's the thing. I lost the phone. I decided I was going to go without a phone. See how that worked. See what happened. Yeah. Because I, I needed to get the the phone out of my head because the energy because the energy problems the well and just like i'm just like i can't you're thinking about your phone all the time even when you're not looking at it so you're walking around and like 10 percent of your head is just always in your phone yeah and i was just noticing like anytime i had a moment i looked at my phone anytime i would come in the house and i'd be like whoo what a tough day and my kid would go get a book and I would go look at my phone. And then she would come out. She'd be done with her book. And she'd come out and say, like, hey. And I'd still be looking at the phone. So I left the phone. And I was like, no phone. How do you like that? And it was leave it, tough. Leave it. it would leave it. Mm-hmm. And it was tough because in the course of a day, there are always a couple of times when it's like, okay, I'm in transit now. I'm leaving my house and I'm going to somewhere. Yeah. And now nobody can get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. And that's how we lived our entire lives. But now it is an impossible problem for people. Yeah. And then I was getting texts from a lot of people, including you. And people were, are again, you okay? <laughs> like, are you okay? And I got a couple of Instagram messages that were like, hey, buddy, what's going on in your life? Yeah. Notice you haven't posted in a while. And I was like, I'm fine with this. I am fine with this because I don't have this monkey on my back. No more monkey. And then I said, you went, and the thing is, you, you you went cold turkey. It's sort of like if you get really really sick and you stop eating and drinking coffee, you go, you know, this is a good opportunity for me to just quit drinking coffee. I've already quit drinking coffee. I would just be continuing not drinking coffee, right? That's right. It was visited upon you. That's how you quit smoking. You get sick and you're like, I can't smoke, and you don't, you get really sick. You can't smoke for seven days, and yeah. then you're you're through the worst of it. Mm-hmm. But. Um, so I was without it, and then we were going to Washington, D.C., and my daughter's mother said, you can't go to Washington, D.C. and not have a phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then she opens a drawer and says, I have an old iPhone 6. Here you go. That's, uh, that's still a pretty good phone. It's a nice phone. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I switched SIM cards right, without doing anything else. So all of a sudden, I had... Like her old phone full of her old address book and stuff. But all it did was, uh, but you could call me. And some, it was just, it was a phone call receiving device. Right. But, and inexplicably, it had every once in a while, one of my texts would come through. About 20% of people's, people sending me texts came through. And it allowed me to go on the internet. Those were the three things it could do. Okay. And from the internet, I could go to Gmail and look at my mail, but I sort of mm-hmm. was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. And so I went around. So for two weeks, I had no smartphone. I didn't, I haven't posted really to anything. 
And so here's what happened. So, and I was like, I'm going to get a flip phone. I'm done with smartphones. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be like granddad with one of those flip phones that has really big buttons. Oh, nice. And then I will text my friends with no punctuation. And you're going, you're going like, all in. You're going all in. It's going to be old, old school. Old school. But what happened was at the end of the day, I would go sit at my laptop and conduct whatever small amount of business came in through email. And I swear to you, Merlin, the thing that was the thing that part of me, that hole in in my life that used to be fulfilled by the cell phone, mm-hmm. I immediately went back on 4chan. Uh, and I hadn't been on 4chan. At least you could go back on years. eBay. You no, know, no, right to 4chan. Oh, John, John. And 4chan has changed a lot since I was there five yeah. years ago. Like, it's it gotten more toxic, John. Well, all of the old people that were like, let's go dox somebody or let's raid this website devoted to cheerleaders or let's just, you know, anonymous. All those guys are gone as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. And all that's on there now is like post naked. You know, do you have any naked pictures of your girlfriend? Post them. Or there's a new thing that never existed before, which is rate my dick. Hmm. Rate my dick. Right, where people just take a picture of their dick. They, and take, a pho- like, they take a photograph of their penis and they put it on the website, and then people yeah. offer like encouraging remarks. Yeah, like, oh, you've got a nice dick, or oh, oh nice. you've got a big dick. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then they're, because it's anonymous, right? Then there's like, oh, right. I have a small dick. Yes. Yes, you do have a small dick. Yes. And there's probably 14 of those threads every day. And that was, you never saw somebody like rate my dick back yeah. in the. Back in 2010, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. there's no, nobody does anything anytime, and nobody like does anything in the outside world. Every once in a while, somebody will be like, "This guy's a jerk. Let's send a bunch of pizzas to his house," mm. and the only replies will be, "Not your personal army." Nobody wants to do anything. Oh, so they they've lost the fire, and then all the what used to be gore threads mm-hmm. are now called wrecked threads. And I know enough from my own personal experience looking at gore threads that I do not want anything to do with them. I do not click on them or look at them at all because mm-hmm. I don't want to see people die. No. And what else is different about 4chan? Uh, it's just mostly porn now. It's like furry porn. That's, that's disappointing. That's very disappointing. It's, it's really uh, the bottom went out. <clears throat> yeah. But so I, so I went back to 4chan. I'm just and it's like, what is wrong with me? Does anybody remember laws? Yeah, what about lols? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what is wrong with me that I can't? That there's something where not having my not having my social media stuff right at hand. Mm-hmm. I went to this like you found you sought a surrogate without even realizing it. Yeah, this weird bunghole of the internet. And every once in a while, somebody will start a thread who are like, I used to come on this site, and I was gone for a long time, and now I came back, and you guys suck. Hmm. Speaking, speaking the truth to power. But the thing is, this is another thing. Somebody will put a, put a, a thread up that's like, all right, everybody check in. Like, who's out there? And it's astonishing. There are probably 50% of the people are 24 years old. Hmm. But then there are all these people that are like, I'm 55 years old and I work for the FBI or I'm, you know, 49 and independently wealthy. And and uh, like people from all walks of life are still on there, still creeping on this. place. What, what do you say when you check in? 
I do not. I have oh, never posted. You're part of the silent majority. I am. I am the. I'm the lurker. I. Have, I never post on there. I don't got. You're not even say. anonymous. You're sub anonymous. I'm sub anonymous. I don't want to go on there and be like, "Hey, everybody, here's my thoughts on stuff." Like, no, thank you. You ever been tempted to put your dick up? No. Okay. You're confident don't, in what you've got. You feel like you don't need the input, the feedback. I don't need anybody rating my. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I mean, here's here's. I the mean, if somebody wants thing. to offer offer up, you know, a compliment, like unprovoked, that can be a very nice thing. It's very nice, yeah. right? If but, it's an unexpected but, compliment, especially. Oh, well, that my, was nice of you to say. Thank you for saying that. My experience of uh, women generally in the world is mm-hmm. that they learned at a young age to be very careful when talking to men about other men or making comparisons between them and other men yeah. because men are fragile let's be honest fragile yeah. like a crystal goblet we, we want to believe this is not only the greatest dick they've ever seen but probably the only dick yeah and you know and and, and yeah exactly you you want to think like oh this new girl that i'm dating has been with other people surely i'm not some guy that's like weird mm-hmm. but please not that many people and please not don't have a lot of things to say about me, my technique, and my body, mm. except just like, oh, you're the best, honey. <laughs> and, and you should start doing that on 4chan. Somehow, you should just start offering up, oh, you're the best, honey. Like every woman in the country or in the world, just either they learn this at a young age from their from their women folk, or they just intuitively know it. But so infrequently, will you meet somebody who's like, you know, compared to my last boyfriend, you are X. Uh, yeah. because I think it just, men are too delicate. About it's, it. it's, it's okay. Obviously most men are going to feel very fragile about a comparison that mm-hmm. they didn't win. Mm-hmm. But even the fact that there's a comparison, I think is kind of mind blowing to a lot of people. Well, I like, how, how do you, what do you, well, there's even a, how's there even a race here? Like yeah. I've, I've obviously got to be the best at this. And I think men are very competitive with mm-hmm. each other. And if you set up a competition between you, a guy, the new boyfriend, and an invisible ex that they cannot know so that they cannot directly compete with them, it's mm-hmm. just they're, they are in the fog, then that competition, that, you know, the competitive spirit has nowhere to go except turn internally and be like, I bet that last boyfriend was better somehow. Mm-hmm. And just all the insecurities. Like I did early on, I had a girlfriend that was like, my last boyfriend one time rode his motorcycle up the stairs of my house to come into my room in his leather pants mm. and ravage me. And mm. I was like, oh, great. Well, I'm not going to do any of those things. So mm-hmm. I hope that you're content with me coming by sometimes. Was that a serving suggestion, John? Do you think she was, was she saying that's I, the thing she might like again? She was saying it to me in the sense of, like, what she wanted to establish was that I was the lucky one. I was lucky to be with her. She was not lucky to be with me. A little bit of a power move. Yeah, and it was clear to us both that she was not lucky to be with me because (laughs) I did not ride a motorcycle up her stairs. I never wore leather pants. I was not even a heroin addict, even though I could have been. Were you a ravager when uh, I called for it? I was not really a ravager, nor was I a rapper. I usually what happened was I would show up at her house, I would go through the cupboards and see if there was anything to eat. And then you know, uh I would take a bath. Uh-huh. And then when I got out of the bath, uh I would like mildly ravage her. Uh yeah, right, politely. Uh, 
you know, like a wet ravage. Yeah. Mm. And then, <laughs> uh, then I'd lay around uh-huh. for a while. Go look for some more food. I'd lay, lay around, get a little bit more food. Maybe this time I would bring her a little little bit, cup right. of chili or get something. Get a glass of water. You're like a friendly bear. And then as the sun went down, I'd be like, well, time. I'm, I'm headed to the bar. Uh, I'd invite you to join me, but you wouldn't have any fun. <laughs> and uh, that was about the extent of it. Uh-huh. And I think over the course of our relationship, what happened was my, to- I mean, this is, this happened multiple times, my complete lack of ability to even pretend to try uh, flipped the power dynamic so that eventually oh. it did seem like I was the prize. Can you imagine that poor bastard that came next? Oh, you know, well, and, she'd be and like, also, hey, listen, you know, last guy I was with, he would he would go through my cabinets before he went ravaged me. <laughs> well, and also the guy, the, it, it was retroactive. The guy with the leather pants who rode his motorcycle up the stairs, like, where is he now? Uh-huh. Like, basically, she's with me now, buddy, so, uh-huh. so how, how are you feeling? Huh? Yeah, like, why don't you ride your motorcycle down the stairs and back out onto the street where a motorcycle belongs? Mm-hmm. He's not going to be welcome at our restaurant. But I don't do that anymore. No. Now I'm very, very... I'm very attentive. I hardly ever go through someone's cupboard. Do you clean up after yourself? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 